Hey there, it's Danny Eney. I'm the executive producer at Miracy FM, which is the network that publishes the show you're about to listen to. In my day job, I show coaches and consultants in my Hybrid Course University program how to teach their gift through hybrid online courses. We only enroll one cohort of students into the program each year and work with them to build an online course around their expertise to create more leverage in their businesses. That enrollment is happening this month, and the doors will only be open for a few days, from May 22nd through 25th. So if you want to learn more about the program, and maybe get on the notification list so you can join when the doors open, head over to miracy.fm slash hcu. And now, on to our show. Miracy. The energy of this launch was consistent throughout. It was always, I think, probably about five days in where I was like, you guys have the capacity to fulfill on this, right? Because this is going to be big and it's a lot of moving parts. Hello, I'm Cynthia Lamb and you're listening to Behind the Launch. In this eight-episode series, we've explored the roller coaster ride that is a Miracy program launch. Over a period of 18 months spanning four different launches, I conducted interviews with key members of the Miracy launch team. Those interviews have led us here to the May 2022 unveiling of Hybrid Course University. The path to this point has not been easy. After the excitement of the million-dollar launch at the beginning of the COVID pandemic, we experienced two disappointing launches in May and September of 2021. Things were looking up again in February of 2022, but that was just a small internal launch. For this launch in May of 2022, the stakes were high. Livelihoods and projects were on the line. I'm not going to keep you in suspense any longer. How did we do? So early on, actually, our launch to this size did not look too great when you compare it to previous launches that we've done. But then we had our first opportunity for people to join us in our hybrid course accelerator program. And that segment did really well where we exceeded our targets by, I want to say, 60 or 70 percent. And I was leading the sales effort for that segment of the launch. And so that was a lot of fun. You know, students were really excited about joining us. And because we exceed our numbers on the first segment, it took the pressure off a little bit on the second half of the launch. And so then we would just be like, okay, well, let's see where we land. And, you know, are fairly certain we can hit our targets. And now it's a matter of by how much are we going to exceed them. And that's a fun place to be from a launch marketing perspective. Those words from Miracy COO Bumi Patak sound very promising, don't they? But did that promise pan out? Here's Danny Eney, Miracy CEO. Well, in terms of hard numbers, we did incredibly well. Our conversion rate in terms of the number of people who came into the launch list at all, like they opted in for any piece of content to people who ended up buying, was 6.2%. So as a frame of reference, you know, good industry averages would be about 2%. So you know, we just blew past that. Our revenues per registrant, revenues per person who participated in the launch were great. An enormous amount of social capital and engagement. People were thrilled. We were introduced to a lot of new people in a really meaningful way. And in terms of just straight up revenue. So, you know, the structure is a little bit different and the numbers are not all in because we did this really interesting experiment with a pay what you can structure. So people put down an activation fee and then they'll decide 
as of when we're recording this, they'll decide in the next couple of weeks what they can pay for the balance of the program. And so we don't even know where we landed. But if you just look at upfront collected revenues, we did about $635,000. We had a follow-on promotion for a sister offer, which brought in another $380,000. So that's over a million already. And that doesn't even account for what people will decide that they can pay, which is completely their choice. But I would imagine we'll add up to a decent amount of money, just given the volume of students we enrolled. It also doesn't account for the long-term benefits of having a lot of new people who are introduced to our work in a meaningful way. For example, we have an event that we do a few times a year, and we will typically have three or 400 people registered for that event. And that event's really important. It's where people find out about our high-end coaching programs and sign up for them. And so we usually have, like I said, three or 400 people registered. Now we're still months away. There's a lot more time for people to enroll, but we're already close to 600. So you know, a lot of knock-on effects, a lot of ramp of all of our numbers growing. And just it creates, you know, momentum begets momentum. So it went very, very well, and I'm very pleased. You could say it took two years of effort, but Miracy finally pulled out another million-dollar launch. I asked Boomi how she felt about that. I'm feeling good. I mean, you know how it is, like you move on to the next thing. <laughs> We're not very good, actually, at celebrating when things go well or when launches go well. We don't spend a lot of time on it because there's always so much more to do and figure out and think through and focus on. And there's always the next thing that's coming up. So yeah, we're well into the next thing. Momentum begets momentum and success begets success, right? A successful launch is not just, oh, I made a bunch of money. It's also, I made a bunch of money because a lot of people discovered and were impressed by my work. And they were exposed to my universe and my product suite of everything that we offer. And so there's a lot of opportunities for them to buy more things. Even more importantly, there are a lot of students in our programs that we have the opportunity to surprise and delight and exceed their expectations. And, you know, the real opportunity is for this to be not the end, but the beginning of an entire process and relationship that may go on for years. Since they're moving on from the particular results of this launch, we will too. Some of you have been listening to this series to glean advice on how to craft and deliver a successful launch, and I have peppered some of that throughout the series. But it seems apropos now to end this series with some of the best advice from my interviewees. Here's Tanya Kubo, former community champion who came back to help us with this launch. I actually believe most people do not love working launches. They are exhausting. It's like taking four kids under the age of 10 to Disneyland and deciding that you are going to ride all the rides and be at the electrical parade in one day. I mean, it's fun, but it is exhausting and it takes you two weeks to recover. I mean, like your hips won't move for three days after all that. But I mean, that is what every launch is like. And people want to believe that, oh, that's what a million dollar launch is like. But that is not true. I think sometimes smaller launches are harder because smaller launches, I mean, the work is spread out among fewer people, but also that's when you have those deep like peaks and valleys in your response time. And that's when your head gets the better of you. At least when a launch is rapid paced and it's that Disneyland in 24 hours experience, you don't have time for the critical self-talk to come in. You're just doing the next thing. You're just fulfilling the plan. I asked Tanya, 
What should entrepreneurs consider when planning a launch? Really think through like what is your particular passion and gift and do those parts of your launch and then see what else you can outsource with your launch that doesn't excite you. I would say at the very least, you need a project manager, the person who makes sure all the things get done when they're supposed to get done, how they're supposed to get done. You know, if you want affiliates, then definitely have somebody in place to manage them so that you don't have to. And then, you know, having community support, somebody to answer those emails. Some people might make that, you know, the person who answers the emails is the same person who loads the emails in the system. And if you have a smaller audience, you can totally do that. Or you can have somebody separate who does that operations piece, make sure all the tech happens. So I think your staffing is key. I mean, it does not have to be 40 people. It can be three to five. I've seen some great launches that run on just three people if they're very simplified. And I would encourage people to be simple. Don't listen to this and say, wow, there were 14 different moving parts on the Hybrid Course University launch and it did so well. I'm going to do that for my next program. If you hear nothing else in what I've said, I hope what you hear is it took two years to get here. Do not try this at home exactly how we did it. I would say pick one thing that you haven't tried yet and just try that at your next launch see how it goes. And then if you want to really follow in our footsteps, just keep adding one thing each launch. Don't overwhelm yourself. Don't overwhelm the staff if you haven't. And don't overwhelm your audience. So what do you like doing? Consider your staffing and keep it simple. What else? Don't do your webinars by yourself. You know, Danny always has the best moderators with him. And, you know, I don't know that people realize that Danny's actually quite introverted. And it takes a lot of energy for him to show up and be fully present and really serve people. And he gets to manage that energy and he can do, you know, 17 webinars in a week, which I've seen him do when he has a really good moderator, because then he's not having to talk, look at the chat, answer the question. You know, there's all this multitasking. He can just show up, present the material in the best way possible. That's all great advice. But as Danny says, don't despair if you can't afford a team. It is possible to manage campaigns yourself. If you don't have a team of people supporting you, then presumably you're also not getting tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people raising their hand as part of your launch. And so if it's just hundreds or thousands, you can do the same thing yourself manually and it scales. You only start needing the help of other people when it grows to a volume where I mean, it's unmanageable for you, but at that point, it justifies getting the extra help. In some ways, we have to get really resourceful to be able to do the things that if it was just me, I would have just done them myself quite easily. And I did back in the day. However you do it, as Joey Gorgie, then Director of Operations says, try to make it fun. Like do it with people you want to be doing it with, doing it about something you believe in, like all that kind of stuff. It helps. Like it really helps when you can because it's hard. So when you're doing hard things, you want to find the meaning that comes with it. So you don't want to do it just to get through it, which is how I've thought about it a lot of the time. It's like, okay, it's only a month. It's only two months. It's only however long it is. I can push. I can push. I can push. You don't want to push through this. You hopefully are setting yourself up to actually do it in a way that feels really empowering and positive. Boomi advises that you diversify your risk. When we first started out, or when I first joined Danny, we used to do launches once a year. So we'd have one big launch a year, and then the rest of the year, we would have smaller campaigns. And we realized that, you know, just having one big launch a year is not great from a risk diversification perspective. 
So if you have one big launch a year and it doesn't go well, you know, you're kind of screwed. So what we've done over the last few years very intentionally is that we have built in many launches and campaigns over the course of the year. So yes, we usually have something like a quote unquote big launch or an event or a big campaign every couple of months or so. And remember, you have to take care of yourself. No matter the size, launches are stressful. Given that the number of launches that we're doing has increased, I have had to get better at managing my emotions through launches. But because before I used to get very anxious and stressed and, you know, regardless of how well or not well the launch is doing, there's always a big element of uncertainty involved. When the stress and uncertainty rise, your self-care needs to ramp up as well. Otherwise, you risk ill health or burnout. Melinda Cohen, CEO of Coaches Console, taught us that. Here's how Joey ramps up her self-care. My way of doing that has been like, yes, of course, we're ramping up the intensity, the stakes are high, the hours are long, like all that stuff is true. And whenever I'm not working, I am intentionally spending that time doing things that give me energy. Like showering would fall under the category of giving me energy, sleeping, eating, having a coffee intentionally outside rather than on the couch, like things like that. It's all these tiny little shifts. It doesn't sound like self-care, but it ends up being what can sort of propel me. So anyway, it's, it's a work in progress. I've like, I've been the poster child of like the worst self-care ever for a long time. And now I'm trying to be the poster child of best self-care ever. Also, keep it all in perspective. We're in the business of educating people. As Danny says, we need to remember that that includes ourselves. When we have an idea that we test out and execute, you know, that might make us a lot of revenue in the short term, but it might also lose us a lot of revenue in the short term because this didn't work. Our execution was clumsy because it's our first time doing it. So, you know, short term, sometimes we'll make more money, sometimes we'll make less. Maybe it's a wash, right? Really hard to say. But I think long-term, if every time you step up to the plate, you learn something new, it accelerates your learning, it accelerates your skill, it accelerates your organizational competence. I mean, we've grown a lot over the years, and I think we certainly wouldn't have done that without this approach of let's always be learning. Because there's always more to learn. The idea that you have it all figured out and there's nothing more to learn is just so obnoxiously hubristic. It's like, that's that's just not how the world works because there's always more to learn and because things are changing. So something you learned and you knew really well might not be reality anymore. There's, what's that line that, you know, in a world that rapidly changes, the learned will soon be perfectly qualified for jobs that don't exist, whereas the learners will, I don't know, inherit the earth or something. And if you're the one in charge, as Danny says, listen to your people. But remember that the buck stops with you. A lot of people have a seat at the table. I mean, you know, we share our debrief and results with everyone in the organization. So, you know, if anyone has an opinion or a thought or perspective, I want to hear it. And I will have more involved conversations with our leadership team. I'll sometimes reach out to colleagues or mentors for input and perspective as well. But at the end of the day, seeing the patterns and then making the decisions is my job, right? So I'm going to have to make that call, right? In the sense that, you know, everyone else in the organization gets to say, hey, I have an idea, I have a thought, I have a perspective and share it when they do. Or they can say, well, I don't know right now, you know, I don't have anything for you. I don't get to do that. (laughs) 
For the final word, I'm handing the mic over to Mary Williams, then Director of Education. As she says, keep at it. You'll get better with practice. You have to go through things as they happen in real time. Like at some point, you're going to end up in a situation that you've never been in before. You might freak out for a minute. It might even go really poorly (laughs) and you'll learn from it and then you get better. You choose to get better. You choose to stick with it and you choose to get better. And when the next launch comes around, suddenly things that would have been really hard the last time, they just aren't hard this time. Thank you for listening to Behind the Launch. I'm Cynthia Lamb, and it has been an honor to share this series with you. Behind the Launch is part of the Miracy FM Podcast Network, which also includes such shows as Course Lab and Making It. I wrote and produced this episode. Jeff Govertson was my right hand, creating order and clips out of the interviews. Andrew Chapman was my second ear. Danny Eney is our executive producer. If you liked Behind the Launch, let us know. Give us a starred review, share it online or with a friend or colleague. Those are the best ways to help us get these ideas out there to more people. Plus, it might just encourage us to launch a second season. Thank you and goodbye for now. Hey, it's Danny Eaney, executive producer of Mira CFM and lead instructor of the Hybrid Course University. If online courses might be a part of your business plan for this year, you'll be interested to know that from May 22nd through 25th, we're enrolling into the new AI edition of the Hybrid Course University. And we're offering the entire program on a pay-what-you-can basis, so you set the price that feels right to you. If you want to check out the details and maybe get on the notification list so you can join when the doors open, head over to miracy.fm slash hcu.